Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're gonna get started. Welcome to the Interloop Radio on Full Service Radio, recorded from our homes in Washington, D.C., for another COVID quarantine edition. I'm Rachel Coots. And I'm Courtney Sexton. And surprise, I'm your guest host, Interloop podcast intern, Abby Newhouse. More on that in a moment, uh, but thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. And for all of our loyal listeners out there, don't forget to leave us a review telling the world how much you love us. And for any new listeners out there here on the Interloop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, what makes a great ghost story, or how to construct the perfect sonnet, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page, as empty as the streets of downtown, or our brains in the confines of four walls for the rest of time. We play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series, which is now virtual. Uh, And we invite a few of those writers and local community members to join our discussion, along with babies and dogs and everything else that's in our houses (laughs) these days. On today's show, uh, as we mentioned, our radio intern, Abby Newhouse, is a guest host with us, and she uh, chose the topic of MFAs. Courtney and I are both MFA graduates, and Abby is currently in her MFA program. Um, MFAs are a highly debated topic in the world, uh, but is it really necessary? Who wants to start? Well, we should start by being non-acronym friendly and, and say, for those oh, of you yeah. who are maybe not sure what we're talking about, uh, the MFA is the Master of Fine Arts. And and in and here, in this space, we're, we're talking about a Master of Fine Arts in creative writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's interesting because the Master of Fine Arts itself is like a debatable thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it sounds so like posh. Master of Fine Arts. <laughs> I'm a master yeah. of the fine arts. <laughs> All of them. Uh, it's just, it's. I think it's so debatable because, or it's so highly debated because of what you guys are getting at. Like the idea of being a master of creativity is so silly on the one hand because the whole thing about creativity is that you're coming up with new things and that you're free to do anything you want. And, um, you know, the criticism of MFA programs is that they're creating these cookie cutter, um, forms or artists, um, who are all creating the same thing. Uh, and where does, you know, how do you teach creativity? Mm hmm. Yeah. I feel like for creative writing programs in general, like the biggest part that appealed to me was just that I'd have the time to be creative Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and then I don't know not necessarily like being taught how I guess I don't know if that makes sense but just knowing that I have to read really great 
writing and then also like try it myself. Yeah, I I feel like I'm sorry, Courtney. I'm not gonna okay. talk about every, um, but I, you know, when I talk to people about it, I'm like, if you can get a scholarship, you're basically like getting paid to write, which yeah. is all of our. It's like our dream. As yeah, writers. that's that's a beautiful thing, and I mean, there's something else to writing, which is the craft aspect, right? And there are definitely elements of that that can be taught. There are things mm-hmm. that you can be guided to. Um, I know that Abby, I totally agree with you. In addition to having the time and the space to allow myself and to steep myself in in growing as a writer, was a huge draw, but also you know, there were so many things, techniques and tools that I learned both for creating and for creating a creative space for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and while yes, Rach, I also agree with you that, you know, I'll pick up, you know, some, some, some of the newer, um, you know, award-winning books that are out by younger authors that are rising stars and whatnot. And there's definitely patterns that I mm-hmm. sense. I'm like, oh yeah, I know what you're doing there because I was taught how to do that too. Yes. <laughs> so there is, there is a concern, I think, of, of limiting ourselves to a, a certain formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And the other, the other flip side of what you were talking about, Courtney, and also you, Abby, um, and one of the biggest things that I think was beneficial to me was like having the time to write and being able to focus on writing for this, you know, concentrated amount of time. And that is invaluable and did amazing things for my actual skill of writing. But on the flip side, it creates this um, environment that is not realistic or anything yeah. like <laughs> yeah. what you're about to experience in the rest of your life. So, you know, you're, you're put in this little ecosystem of like, of all, you know, all things being equal. And you're like, man, I can write. I'm like writing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as you graduate, you're like plopped right back into, you know, taking care of your animals and your kids and, you know, trying to have relationships and keep a job and you know, live in the work. world. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and then you're supposed to figure out how to write in that environment. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yes. And that's what I'm terrified for. I'm going to graduate in May, kind of. It feels imaginary, but I will. <laughs> you will. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It feels, it's just, it's just kind of a weird Weird time, and especially depending on your program, because I don't know if you guys had to teach in yours. No, we did not have to, but we we also paid for our programs. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was Sarah Lawrence. Yes, there was some. It it totally depends. There was some funding. I think all of us received some funding, but most Very of us little. were not mm-hmm. fully funded. Mm-hmm. And so there weren't teaching requirements. There were some opportunities, um, which I, d- I did one semester. Rach, did you do one of the teaching semesters? No. No. Um, but yeah, so that's something that we think about a lot in terms of what we would and wouldn't do over again. <laughs> so interesting. That also gives you guys like this different, a whole different experience in the way that you like made it happen for yourself, you know? Yeah. 
I love the dead silence. Yeah, we pay ten tens cool. of thousands of dollars to become writers. Yeah, that's, that's definitely like the negative part of it. But it is kind of cool just that you like really did dedicate that part of your life to, to the MFA, you know? It's, but, yeah, uh, man, I really wanted to be a writer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, Courtney. I, I really, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really wanted to give it a shot. And for me, I knew that I had to have something that was structured in the way that MFA is to to make that happen. And so I made it happen. Um, You know, another part of it that we haven't touched on is, you know, the what happens after, but you know, you, you build those connections. So I feel like mm-hmm. half of the value of an MFA is just figuring out who's who, who you need to talk to, mm-hmm. yes. um, you know, as with anything, but it's definitely an insular world. Um, and to just be aware of who the players are, I think is unfortunately, or, or maybe not important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the community has been like, the best part to it. And I think, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to hear that because that experience is so different because I did have to teach in order to keep the assistantship too. And so I felt like I kind of had this little little sample of what it's like to, you know, have, have this job because um, we were teaching like a 2-2 load. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of have this job that's, you know, very time consuming, but then also like have to write in the background to like fulfill assignments and thesis and everything. And mm. so it's like I had a little taste, but I still just have no idea what life afterwards is gonna is gonna be like. Yeah, I feel like that 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 better prepares you much much more than Courtney and I just you know calling up into a little corner space and writing nonstop like whatever our thoughts were. Um, but I think uh, speaking of that, you know, the culmination of the Master of Fine Arts is your thesis and sort of all two or two to three years of the curriculum sort of builds up to this culminating point, which I think Abby is right in the middle of. And she was curious about whatever happened to our theses. Being the culmination of the entire you know, <laughs> endeavor, it must come something, something must become of it, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's got a prominent place on my shelf. <laughs> Did you ever go back to your stories, Court? I did. Yeah, I have. Um, I've I have published short sections of some of them. Um, so it wasn't. It definitely. Uh, mine was. Mine was formatted not as necessarily an entire whole, but it was. There were sections that could be pulled and and created as standalone, and I did do that with some of them. Nice. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I. Uh... <laughs> I was just telling I've been writing I've been writing like crazy lately and um trying to finish this book that I've been working on for 10 years and I was telling my partner that um I had the thesis which was this like five stories it was 80 pages and since then I've written 200 more pages <laughs> and when I left Sarah Lawrence I thought that that my thesis was perfect and <laughs> I and I was ready to publish it, but Vijay told me that, uh, you know, it had to be longer. You can't publish a book that's only 80 pages. And I thought to myself, well, nothing needs to be added to this. It's perfect in every way. <laughs> but fine, I'll like do something. So then I spent the next, what, eight years um, adding to it, right? And then just this past week, I went back and reread everything. 
And uh, I wrote it backwards. So the thesis came last and everything I'd written over the past eight years came first. So I'm like reading through it, reading through it, reading through it. And then I finally get to the thesis material and I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is not good at all. <laughs> and I just spent eight years like bulking up something that I'm just going to end up throwing away. <laughs> yeah, like, but it's the throat clearing, you know, you had to get that out. <laughs> it's true. The idea has to come from somewhere. <laughs> and that's, that's what you did. <laughs> Plus, it gave you the confidence boost, you know. At the time, you were writing high, That's true. You felt I mean, like there it was would great. And if you book. were like super down on yourself and your writing, you would never have kept going. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm like even the opposite with my thesis right now. I'm like, this is the worst. Yeah. Thing <laughs> I will never look at it again. I'm sure you're your own best critic, which is oh, not God. a bad thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, we're going to bring a new voice in on this topic. You've heard how Courtney and I feel and Abby. Um, up next, we'll talk with recent MFA grad Rajpreet here about life post-MFA. Stay tuned. Gather. Gather. Gather, please. Um, if you can gather in. Gather around, gather around for the second half. And we're going to get started. We're going to get started. We'll get started. We're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. We've been discussing the pros and cons of the MFA, and joining us on the show to give us her take is Rajpreet Hare. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. Hey there, we're glad to have you. Uh, Rajpreet graduated from George George Mason's MFA in 2016, and her work has already been widely published in places like the New York Times, Brevity, and Cosmopolitan. So we're pumped to have you and hear from you. (laughs) So Rajpreet, how how do you feel that your MFA prepared you or helped you in uh, your recent publications? Uh, yeah, I think the MFA served as a foundation for my work because I had three years to generate all kinds of content. And I think sometimes when people freelance and that's their only income, they have to write in a way that will be successful. Whereas Mm -hmm. in the MFA, you can experiment, you can write in different ways and you might do terribly on a piece, but you can come back to it years later and turn it into something that's publishable, which I've actually done. Like you just get to like make all this great art and then maybe it becomes something, maybe it doesn't. And um, I mean, when I got to the MFA, so I was an MFA in creative nonfiction. I wrote strictly in present tense and wrote chronologically. And (laughs) But my third year, I took an experimental essay course with um, one of my professors, Tim Denevi. And I was really scared because like that was just going to shake up my whole writing style. But it was really good for me and inspired a piece that I got into the normal school and gave me creative skills that I would later use to write a piece for Brevity, which appeared last year. So that was after the MFA. But the things that I learned from that class helped me get into Mm -hmm. pieces later on. Um, And a lot of what I wrote in um, my MFA, I've published. So 
like a piece in the Washington Post, I combined an essay from undergrad and grad school. Um, another essay from undergrad. Uh-oh. Oh, um, another piece I wrote in um, undergrad and grad school got into an anthology. A bustle piece I wrote came from a book I read in the MFA. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that a lot of what I wrote in the MFA or just the awareness of what I wrote about, which is being an Indian in Indiana, has helped me publish more pieces about that kind of um, situation. That's awesome. Yeah, that's Tim uh, Denevi is a, a great mentor, I think, too, for that kind of writing. He certainly has a, um, he just, it's not, it's an ear. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it, but it, um, he was one of our, our featured readers in back in January, I think. Um, and as we were mentioning, it's kind of like you being exposed to um, those people who've been in the field for a while is really valuable guidance um and to frame help you frame what it is you want to say right is that kind of what you're you're getting at um yeah so I mostly my thesis was about being an Indian in Indiana and so which is awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I hope to publish about someday as a memoir and the um pieces I've written so for like Teen Vogue and Lit Hub um like were pieces I didn't write in the MFA but a lot of the um, information or just feedback Kyoko would give me, so Kyoko was my thesis advisor, mm-hmm. um, I would apply after I left. So I think that you can take some of the lessons you just learn about how to observe an event or um, play with form and use it later on. Um, so MFA served as a really good foundation for that. We didn't really cover how to submit work as much, but I, I figured that out on my own later. So, yeah, I'm curious, did you start with small publications and build up to large ones or did you go for the gold? Oh, man. I mean, in the MFA, I just felt like such a failure. I sent my (laughs) work out, oh, my goodness, to like 300 places and got one actual good one in that time. And one was on a blog that no one would ever go to. (laughs) Another was in a journal that I think has folded. So I've got a couple of those too. Don't worry. (laughs) I just thought like, Oh, what am I doing? No one like who wants to read my work. And I also had the extra burden of just thinking, because when you're a woman of color writer, you also are up against this idea that your story doesn't count for as much in that Mm -hmm. you're always translating what you're writing. So other people understand it. So you just think that your stuff is lesser. So I got out of the MFA and um, I mean, I wasn't so confident in my work, but slowly as I published pieces, I began to realize that I did have some sort of um, skill (laughs) and that helped a lot. Like I got my Washington Post piece published several months after graduating. And then my New York Times piece came out, um, I want to say nine months after graduating. And so that those were game changers for me because um, I wrote things that I hadn't written in the MFA and just went with what was going on in the world, which was Trump being elected or Miss Cleo, the psychic, had passed away. That's what was the basis That's of right. my Washington Post article. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, no, that's so good. That's like the like what we would all hope for after the MFA. All these like amazing things that did come from like things that you learned. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, Kyoko and Tim were just amazing professors, as was my undergraduate professor, because I studied nonfiction on undergrad, too, with Greg Schwipps at DePaul University. 
So I think that they're all three very different writers, and I've benefited so much from hearing them talk about writing. Mm-hmm. So Rajpreet, are you, in terms of you know making a living, are you currently making a living off of your writing? Uh, that would be hard to do in New York. <laughs> I mean, we only can aspire to be carrying sex in the city. But that that's right. That's right. Not <laughs> one that we can actually maintain here. Um, so I have a day job. I work for TED conferences. And cool. um, I've been there coming up on three years. But I also have good news, which is that I recently accepted a tenure track assistant professorship in nonfiction at Ithaca College. Hey, oh, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. So I'm uh, <laughs> moving up there in the craziest time ever, but yeah, it happened. Awesome. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. It'll be a well, beautiful we would, summer. <laughs> Rajpreet, we would love to hear um, a little excerpt of one of your pieces. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, So I will read to you from my Atlantic piece, um, which came from something from undergrad, which turned into something in grad school, which turned into something later. So you can apply your pieces and they will transform. Um, (laughs) So this is called Bendit Like Beckham and the Art of Balancing Cultures. When the comedy drama film Bendit Like Beckham premiered in the UK 15 years ago, frenzy for the impending World Cup was ramping up. I was 12 at the time and happened to be visiting England that summer for family weddings. I can vividly recall the football fever that gripped the country. One of the wedding receptions took place during the World Cup final, so groups of my male relatives would periodically disappear to the parking lot, turn on someone's car, and listen to the radio for game updates. (laughs) Brazil, which went on to win the tournament, scored its first goal just after the Bhangra performance and right before I dipped roti into Masur Dal. By the end of the trip, I was homesick for Indiana, where I had been born and raised. When I get married, I'm going to wear jeans and everyone will eat fried chicken, I'd tell people. At my reception, we're going to listen to Jewel. As an Indian-British-American girl, what I was beginning to realize at that age was that I didn't seem to quite belong anywhere. Yet, after watching Bennett like Beckham in my last few days in England, I came to realize that transiency was, in some ways, a gift. In the absence of a place that reflected who I was, perhaps I could make my own. Growing up in the U.S., I had caught glimpses of Indian people in mainstream movies. (laughs) There were villains and extras in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Mowgli in the Jungle Book, Oliver Warbucks' bodyguard in Annie, and an assistant in A Little Princess. Then in 2002 came Bend It Like Beckham, which managed to become an unlikely hit, grossing more than $76 million worldwide on a $6 million budget. The protagonist, Jasminder Bamra, or Jess, isn't just a young woman trying to balance her British identity while trying to stay true to herself. She is also a Punjabi Sikh who loves football, like me, though I played the American kind, spiral it like Manning. <laughs> Bendit like Beckham's authenticity and vision made it an utter departure from anything else I'd seen. Probably because the director, Grinder Chadha, set the film in the area of England where she grew up and even attributes some of the movie's success 
to its autobiographical components. Chadha, born in Africa to Indian parents who migrated to Britain, grew up accustomed to ambivalence. She was British, but also not. She was an Indian girl, but also not. She regularly clashed with her family's traditions, refusing to wear Indian clothes and trying to get out of her cooking duties. So I'll stop there. Um, the piece is longer and you can find it online. Awesome. At the, it's at the Atlantic, right? Yes. Awesome. Uh, that was so beautiful. Um, I can see why you've had so much success. Thanks. Congratulations. I love it. And I love that movie. Oh, <laughs> and I love I'm glad you guys movie. have seen it. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Can I confess? I think I actually read your piece. Oh. <laughs> oh. I was like listening to that and I was like, wait, this sounds vaguely familiar from somewhere. So anyway. Oh my God. Oh, that's very flattering. Wow. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Rajpreet, for chatting with us about your MFA and sharing your piece. Uh, but we're not going to let you go just that's yet. That's right. Up next, we're going to play a little game we're calling Tidal Wave. Get it? Like title? Like title of a book? <laughs> I love the puns. Uh, I know. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio, broadcasting from our homes in Washington, D.C. We turn now to our special segment we like to call Tidal Wave. For this segment, we will read a summary of an imagined thesis and then come up with the perfect, goofiest title for it. We should just, like, <laughs> preface this by saying that, you know, like, the title of the thesis is, is, a, is a, an event. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... It's like, Courtney, what was the title of your thesis? It begins with the river. Ooh, that is, that is perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I started thinking about titles long before anything else. <laughs> I'm so bad at titles. Titles is my Achilles' heels. Do you have one yet for yours? Or I guess what was yours back in the thesis? My thesis title was "Will I Bounce?" All right. Ooh. it's funny because i don't know like they are just like like you know thesis titles like we we get it. <laughs> interesting to me still i feel like there's this contest though like maybe especially like with poets to have the most obscure like ridiculous thing that sounds so profound yeah. <laughs> or just like the one word title yes. that we're all just mean <laughs> all right well abs tell us what we're doing here so yeah i have just written a couple just like imagined thesis of you know kind of just that like quintessential thing that you have done right um and so it's like quiplash the game whoever comes up with a perfect title it can be silly it can be whatever for this thesis summary we'll just like do a little vote after each one and go from there. <laughs> so, the first one that I have is a lyric memoir that compares a sexual awakening to a rare butterfly. Everybody. Oh, man. I don't. <laughs> Ode to a Virgin Monarch. 
Ooh. I know. I was thinking monarch too. They're not really so. rare, but like that's the only one I can think of. <laughs> look up rare butterflies. Um. Wow, guys. Oh, Abby, do you have a timer? How is this working? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say metamorphosis, I'm sure. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Right. I'm going to say lost in flight. Ooh, okay. Ooh. Mine is out of the cocoon. Oh, Ooh, that, I like that one. Out of the cocoon, I really like it. Guys, can I can I pause here and tell you a fact that I learned recently that blew my mind? <laughs> I was listening to uh, Jad uh, and oh god, uh, another podcast, um, Radio Lab, and spit it oh, out. Sorry, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but do you know that caterpillars don't like transform? They turn into a blob. They go into the chrysalis. They turn into soup, and then they come out as a butterfly. What? It's what? insane. It's just like Whoa. a soup of genetic material that gets recombined. Well, that's really Whoa. yeah. Okay, anyway, I'll look that up. Um, maybe Rajpreet should be the judge. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ooh. Um, so, so the options are the out of the cocoon, something about flight, lost in flight, lost in flight, and the third and one was Ode to a Virgin Monarch. Oh dear, virgin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like we're playing cards against humanity. I have to go with the one that made me laugh the most, which was Ode to a Virgin yeah. Monarch. That just makes yeah. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Abby. Okay, number two is a space travel short story collection that's really commenting on fascism. Let's say we have like, what, 20 seconds? 30 seconds? Okay, all right. Uh, right, ready to go. <laughs> Comments on um, communism. Ooh, that's pretty good. Man, Courtney's good at titles. <laughs> um, stars yeah. are falling. What, what, is, what is it, Abby? I didn't hear stars you. Stars are falling. The stars are falling. <laughs> um... <laughs> Space junk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned about it once at a on a um, planetarium event. Yes. All right, Rach, you have to be the judge of that one then. Okay. So we have space junk. Uh, what else? The stars are falling. The stars are falling. And comets and communism. <laughs> <laughs> All right, comments and communism. Yes, yes Damn you, Courtney, you're gonna win this one by, by a landslide. Listen, I found my niche. Okay. <laughs> All right, Abby, give us our next one. Okay, a poetry collection based on memories of Grandma's house. Oh. I'll judge this one. You three go. Oh man. Housing Harriet. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. uh, classic old people names. <laughs> so true. Cinnamon and sugar toast. That's all I got. Oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> hmm. Image. Um, 
poets are always so serious. I know. Something like (laughs) matriarchs and exploration or something like that. Nonfiction writer, I think, would do something different, but poets always go for like the highest culture of ideas. Oh, yes. so true. And like with the subtitle, like he's like the next. I think that one's gotta win. Matriarch on exploration. Love it. All, All right. I think we have one more time for one more, Abby. So pick your fave. Oh, what's my bet? What's the best one? Uh, okay. A collection of essays that tries to define <laughs> California better than Joan Didion. Oh, cool. uh, okay. Maybe Didion off, or like instead of Didion, Diddy off. Oh, Diddy off! <laughs> no. All right. I don't even think that we need to come up with alternatives. That one's the best. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Oh, thank you, Rajpreet, for joining us and having some fun with us. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks thank again for, for having me. Good luck and and uh, keep us posted. Let us know where we can read your next piece. Sounds yeah. good. Okay, and I'll probably visit, or I hope to, once all the travel bans lift. So maybe I will see you guys around in DC. Awesome. That would be great. That's our show. To find out more about us or submit to read at our next virtual event, which is May 19th, uh, please visit us at theinnerlooplet.org. Today's episode was produced by our podcast intern, Abby Newhouse, and our theme music is by Andrew Logan. Thanks again to Rajpreet, Hare, and Abby for joining us on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app, because what else are you doing? What else are you doing? You could write something like, I don't know, the inner loop is just like an MFA minus all the stress and existential crises and, you know, the degree, maybe. We, we could start offering online degrees, Rach. <laughs> the inner loop. <laughs> We'd have to come up with our own That's letters. Right. So we can't take MFA. That's it's right. like, you know. A TIL. Yeah, today I learned. Yes! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. Yes, so you never miss an episode like this. Happy writing. Right on, my lips. All right. Awesome. Thank Thanks, everybody. Yeah, that was super fun. Abby, thank you. You're welcome. That was super fun. That was such a great show. Fresh um yeah, so stoked for you congrats on the position thank you also sarah lawrence's campus is gorgeous i visited it once and like there's this patio area like a backyard and um I, it was just beautiful in the summer there are all these it's flowers so yeah. sweet I oh yeah i love it <laughs> <laughs> i do miss it you, you guys worked with um joanne beard right yes yeah oh, oh my gosh she's amazing I wanted to talk about that first, but we just never got to it. But oh, I would have. Yeah, she actually, there's an episode of the Nerd Radio with her. So, no, I listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have to see what she says. What she said. (laughs) I know. I know. We always hang on to that. That's right. Yes. I feel like she's kind of like um, off the radar a little bit. She doesn't do a ton of like readings or anything, right? She's she's a little quiet, especially these days. Yeah. Oh. Rajpreet, though, I was thinking too. So when you say DePaul, you mean DePaul in Indiana? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Castle. Yeah, I visited there once. I um, a friend of mine. Oh, you did? Yeah, a friend of mine had a, um, a a a teaching position after he did his PhD, and I went oh, out to visit. Um, who was he? Um, Callum Ingram. 
it wasn't in uh it was in like he did like uh politics of urban oh i definitely yeah. didn't know that i was very much in my little writing yeah. <laughs> um oh that's so cool you visited yeah most people think confuse it with depaul right. yeah that's like a but no talk about oh, a beautiful gosh. campus it's such a lovely little spot it, it's it's very flat. Um, you can always see everything, but they do have a beautiful nature park with this huge quarry that is just like magical. Yeah, mm, I love that. I miss just being in a space that's like <laughs> that people are. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> <Pretty nervous. laughs> um, I think I don't know. Does Jack have to stop the recording, or how does that? Yeah, work? Jack has to stop okay. it. Cool. Well, Jack. Fresh Breed, <laughs> Abby, if you guys have to run, that's cool. Just leave your uh, browser window open. Um, that would be great. And then, so basically, as soon as Jack stops the recording, um, it'll start uploading, and you'll get a message that says upload complete, and that's how you know you can close your browser. Okay. And then in terms of timeline, do we know like when it would go live? Um, it's been taking a little bit longer because of the editing process. So it might take up to a week to get online, but we'll email you as soon as it's available. Nice. Oh, also, since I haven't told Ted yet that I'm leaving, um, I probably can't post it on my personal, several different social media platforms, but I think I could do Facebook because I could hide it from coworkers (laughs) on there. Because so, uh, I'm not leaving Ted until July, I think. Um, so I have to be slightly careful. No, sure, problem. no problem. Yeah, I don't think my coworkers would listen to the whole thing, but you, you never know. <laughs> oh yeah, you never can. That's so cool, though. It's going to be so fun. I hope that you don't have to teach online, but I know I hope so I too. I really like in-person teaching. Yeah, you know, and workshopping yeah. would be just a whole different experience, but yeah, you'll figure it out if you have to, and it'll be perfect. I just feel like, so oh. bad for this Gen Z. They get school shootings, climate change problems, and yeah. now this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's rough. Coming so of age true. in America. Mm-hmm. And just like, I don't know, all these different, like, it didn't affect me as much because I was younger in 2008, but I feel like probably like Courtney, Rachel, maybe Rosh Pete, but you know, like, I feel like you've just been through these like recessions, like so many oh. different times. And <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's just falling apart a little bit, but we're used to it right now. I feel <laughs> like, yeah, we adapt. Um, cool. All right. I am going to mute myself because me too. Yeah, I got on to another call. Oh, right. Right. Thank you guys. Right. Yes. Thank you. It's good to yes. hear your voices. And good Bye. luck in the home stretch. All right. Bye, y'all. See ya.